A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. And yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, what sure sounds like an infringement. Uh, The FBI and other alphabet agencies pressuring individuals to sign away their right to keep and bear arms, despite the fact that uh, federal law doesn't really allow for folks to become prohibited persons voluntarily. Yeah, this is a crazy story, uh, and and it's been coming out in dribs and drabs since 2019 when John Crump first reported on the existence of this voluntary NICS denial form, uh, where basically you could self-report yourself as a prohibited person, either a danger to uh, yourself or others, or uh, unable to manage your affairs. It wasn't known, though, until uh, fairly recently that this form was actually put into use. Uh, Thanks to a Freedom of Information Act request and lawsuit filed by Gunners of America, we now know that more than a dozen individuals uh, apparently signed away their right to keep and bear arms after getting paid a visit by the FBI or the Secret Service or the uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency. Yeah, now supposedly the use of these forms uh, was curtailed in 2019. But there are some members of Congress who want some answers, including Representative Andrew Clyde of Georgia, who uh, joins us on Bearing Arms Cam and Company to talk about this growing scandal and what sunlight uh, Congress might be able to uh, to shine on this uh, shadowy program when Republicans take over control of the House of Representatives and will have oversight uh, over these agencies, at least some oversight uh, in the new year. Take a look and a listen. Congressman, thanks so much for coming on the program. It's great seeing you again, sir. Well, Cam, thank you for the invitation. It's uh, good to talk to you again, too, as well. Yeah, I, I wish we were a better topic, honestly, because this is outrageous. I mean, what we are learning here about this secret program, the, the details just keep getting worse and worse, Congressman. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong on any of these details here, but but from what we know from at some point in 2016 to at some point in 2019, at least 15 individuals, maybe more, um, voluntarily signed away their right to keep and bear arms when the FBI showed up at their house, or maybe it was the Secret Service or or ICE, and presented them with this form uh, and, and pressured, maybe pressured them, maybe didn't pressure them, but I don't know. They presented a form and said, here, sign this form, uh, and uh, and you won't be able to buy a gun, and then we'll leave. Is, is, that, is that accurate? That is accurate, Cam. That is the way I understand it. I mean, can you imagine the FBI showing up at your door and uh, wanting to inquire about, uh, you know, your life and then saying, hey, uh, here's a form that if you fill it out that, uh, um, you know, will go away. And um, that's just incredibly concerning. It's troubling. Uh, We have a every citizen has a constitutional right to keep and bear arms, every solitary one. Um, There is no provision that I'm aware of in the federal government. And as you know, I've been a federal firearms licensee for a very long period of time, over 30 years. There's no provision for someone to do that short of an actual judicial court hearing and be, you know, and, and be judged you know, incompetent or to be um, you know, adjudicated such by a court. Um, you know, the executive branch and the judicial branch are different. Uh, as well as the legislative branch. We have three equal branches here. And for the FBI to be able to do this um, is wrong. 
and it warrants immediate uh, and aggressive congressional oversight. And I think that is where we're going to go with this, because here you have a form that somebody created. You know, I haven't yet seen a form number on it. And as you know, every federal form has a form number, like a 4473, like I right. gun on, you know, ATF form 4473. Uh, I haven't seen that form number. That form number, I think, will give us some history as to where the form came from, who approved it, uh, how did it get created, um, and then how did it get distributed? Who's using it? Uh, we need to know all of those answers um, because this is wrong. This is absolutely wrong. The executive branch doesn't get to make those decisions. Yeah. So I want to go back and touch on a couple of things that you said. First of all, as an FFL, um, you're right. You have a pretty good idea of what the federal law is regarding firearms. And in order for you to become prohibited under federal law, you either have to be convicted of a prohibiting offense, right? Either a felony or a, a domestic violence misdemeanor, right. or you have to be adjudicated That's correct. as mentally defective. So the, the first question is, is this even legal? Are, is this form even legal? Are these people uh, who signed these forms, are they being wrongfully denied their ability to purchase a firearm because of this? Uh, you're right. Is it even legal? That's why it's so important to pull the string on this form and find out who created it, where did it come from, who approved it um, and how it's been distributed. I mean, we know right now that it has been used by the FBI, it has been used by the Secret Service, and it has been used by Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE. So who else has it been used by? Is it being used by the Veterans Administration? You know, I mean, for, for veterans who maybe are battling PTSD right now, and um, and they potentially, if they sign this form, they could lose their Second Amendment rights for their entire life. Because you know that once you get on this NICS database, uh, even the form itself says you may not come off. All right. Um, so that's really, really disturbing to me, which is why I said it warrants aggressive congressional oversight to see why, where, when, who approved it. Um, and then how many times has it actually been used? Yeah. And, and is this still in place? I know the FBI said that they stopped using this form in 2019, although they haven't said why. But to the best of my knowledge, um, and correct me again, if, if, if they've provided this information, have they said whether or not this form was replaced by another? Is there is there something, uh, you know, some some similar practice taking place right now that, that we don't know about? How confident are you that that's not the case at the moment? Uh, I'm not confident at all that that's not the case at the moment. You know, they say they stopped using it in 2019. Um, okay. I don't know if I believe that. As you know, and I know, uh, a lot has come out lately about the FBI and what uh, they're doing. And um, there's a lot I don't believe. And rightfully so. I think we've got good evidence that what the FBI is doing in in cases, in numerous cases, Hunter, Light, uh, Hunter Biden laptop story, for example, you know, is just wrong. So are they giving us the straight story on this form? Have they replaced it with another form? Oh, yeah, we're not using that form anymore. We're using another form now. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's bait and switch. Uh, and the federal government, the FBI, uh, you know, they're they're very smart folks um, and they can mince words and make you believe one thing. Um, and, uh, where something else may actually be what's happening. No, again, 
This warrants aggressive congressional oversight. I think that's the third time I've said it. And, um, and you know, I introduced a resolution of inquiry uh, last month, uh, which went through judiciary. And um, the Democrats shot it down, but that's okay. We'll be in the majority here in just a month or so, and in less than a month. So we'll have the opportunity to introduce it again. That resolution of inquiry demands from the President of the United States and from the Attorney General all information regarding this form in an unredacted in an unredacted form. So um, uh, we're going to get to the bottom of this. Um, you know, we have already highlighted it to the administration. We've already put them on notice. So I fully expect that uh, when the 118th Congress uh, comes in, then uh, and I'm sworn in, then we will drop this resolution again uh, rather quickly because um, we are going to find out the truth. That's why we're here, to find out the truth and to expose it to the American people. You know, you talk about uh, some of the other scandals that we have going on in our nation's capital right now, and obviously this is just a, a one of them. I, I'm curious. I, I'm so glad that this is on your radar. Um, but when you've talked with your colleagues, uh, maybe not your colleagues from across the aisle, it seems like they've got no interest in getting to the bottom of this. Um, but but what are your fellow conservatives and fellow Republicans saying about this? Is this going to be a, a big issue, you think, uh, uh, for Congress overall uh, when uh, when the next session of Congress uh, is sworn in? Oh, I think this is a very serious issue. Uh, we've, uh, I think the Judiciary Committee uh, is going to be, uh, as well as the Oversight Committee, which, and I'm on the Oversight Committee, uh, we're going to, we're going to review this. We're going to take this up. Um, and whether we actually have an open public hearing on it is one thing. Uh, but a lot of our work actually happens behind closed doors in things like depositions, in, um, in demand letters, in subpoenas, that sort of thing. So um, we may have a public hearing on it. We may not, but I will tell you, we will get to the bottom of it. We will get and uh, we'll get to the truth of the matter here. Uh, and I think that the American people, because this has to deal with a constitutional right, the Second Amendment of, of our Constitution, which defends and protects our First Amendment, the most important amendment of all, um, it will be something that will uh, warrant congressional uh, time. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Listen, Representative Clyde, I can't thank you enough for your time today. One last question for you. Um, given that Republican control of the House uh, thankfully means that Joe Biden's legislative uh, anti-gun agenda is going to be uh, dead in the water for a couple of years, uh, I, I think that uh, that makes it far more likely that he is going to continue to use and abuse his executive power to uh, get the ATF to implement all kinds of new regulations and impositions on gun owners. We've already seen, I guess, the ATF moving forward with their uh, pistol stabilizing brace rule. How concerned are you that there's even more coming down the pike? I mean, you've got gun control advocates right now who are you know, whispering to the president's ear Hey, you know, these semi-automatic firearms, they're like machine guns. They're readily convertible to machine guns. You could ban them uh, through, you know, the through executive action. You don't, have, you don't need a vote in Congress. Um, how concerned are you that we might see the Biden administration, you know, deploy their anti-gun nuclear option, so to speak, uh, and, and try to uh, follow the advice that they're getting from the gun control lobby right now? Well, we have seen President Biden time after time issue executive order after executive order, which is not legal. You know, the, an executive order is an order to to tell the executive branch how to faithfully implement existing law. It is not it does not give the president the ability to create law. And he would be creating law here 
but that doesn't mean he won't try. And I believe he will try. Uh, his, you're right, his legislative agenda will be firewalled because of the Republican majority in Congress, but that doesn't mean his executive branch authority through an executive order is firewalled. No, I think you're right. I think we have to be on guard for that. And, um, and I think that, uh, uh, that we're gonna have to do everything possible to make sure that every executive order that he issues uh, passes the legal test, uh, which means they need to be challenged. So uh, I agree with you 100%, Cam. Well, listen, I, I really appreciate uh, you joining us on the program today. I'm glad we've got somebody with your expertise and experience in the the firearms world uh, on the oversight committee. I think that's going to be hugely beneficial for uh, for gun owners going forward. Uh, and Representative Andrew Clyde, hope you have a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and look forward to talking to you again in 2023. Thank you, Cam. Uh, next time we talk, we'll be the majority. So Yes, uh, sir. Merry Christmas to you too, sir. Thank you again. Appreciate the Congressman joining us on the program, and we are going to be following this uh, story very, very closely uh, with all of the twists and turns that uh, are likely in store here. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, as well as our recidivist report. We'll start there, a case out of New York where uh, the New York Post reporting uh, an accused killer, Zaire Crumbly, uh, already sought on probation, or excuse me, already sought for three robberies, but he was on probation for another robbery when he was arrested on charges of killing his 16-year-old girlfriend, stabbing her to death over the weekend. The New York Post reports that Crumbly was apparently convicted of a robbery back in 2020. Now, it's still 2022. So apparently, uh, Zaire Crumbly did not spend much, if any, time behind bars for that robbery charge. Uh, the New York Post reports that he also has five other prior robbery arrests, but not necessarily convictions. Dating back to 2016, he was being sought for three other robberies in Manhattan, uh, also all from August of 2020. Uh, apparently not taken into custody between then and now for whatever reason, uh, even though he was a wanted man. And now... Uh, Zaire Crumbly facing the uh, most serious charges of his young life. The uh, teenager now accused of first degree murder. And uh, I doubt that a, a plea bargain is coming that's going to give him a slap on the wrist on those charges. But again, so many opportunities uh, to deal with this uh, troubled individual before he allegedly took another life. And unfortunately, in New York, that didn't happen. Uh, why? Well, a lot of reasons for that. But uh, I would say one of the reasons is because uh, those in charge of New York seem far more interested in going after law-abiding gun owners and turning them into criminals rather than dealing with violent criminals themselves. Today's Armed Citizen story from Oregon, Washington County, Oregon, where a stalking suspect was shot by a family member of his ex-girlfriend outside of her home in Sherwood, Oregon, over the weekend. Something, by the way, that uh, might not have happened if uh, Measure 114 had been allowed to take effect. We don't know when this family member purchased a firearm, but uh, if Measure 114 had been allowed to go into effect with its permit-to-purchase law, mm, nobody would be able to legally buy a gun in Oregon, and this uh, stalker may have had a uh, uh, an easier time uh, going after his intended victim. Uh, this happened shortly before 8 p.m. Sunday night uh, uh, in uh, Sherwood, Oregon, not far from the uh, Pacific Highway. Investigators say that uh, 36-year-old Cody Bullius of Beaver Creek 
was stalking an ex-girlfriend at her home when family members found him outside. There was a confrontation. Deputies say that Booyah showed that he had a weapon. And that is when a family member fired multiple shots. First responders started the medical treatment at the scene. Booyah was taken to a local hospital, but he was pronounced dead Monday morning. The investigation is still continuing. Uh, local media reports that the family is cooperating with the investigation. Uh, at this point, it would sounds like a, a pretty clear-cut case of self-defense. You've got somebody who's not supposed to be there, displays a weapon. Um, that alone, I think, would uh, cause those family members to fear that uh, perhaps this individual means them harm, given that he was uh, stalking uh, the ex-girlfriend there. But uh, we'll keep our eyes on the uh, particulars of this case. We'll bring in more details uh, as they become available. Finally today, our good deed of the day in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, two waste management workers in Florida we saved an 83-year-old man who had gotten stuck under his golf cart. Now, listen, this was, it's, the headline sounds kind of amusing. Guy gets stuck under a golf cart. No, no, this poor guy was outside, 83 years old, for seven hours uh, in Florida. And he wasn't dressed for the weather. It was about 5.30 in the morning uh, when these uh, waste management workers, uh, Alex Galarza and Polino Ortega, uh, we're on the job already. They're already working. Uh, they say, we took a turn. We took a, uh, a and, and Paulino noticed somebody waving at him. It was the first house on the left. So we stopped immediately. He honks the horn. He says, Alex, looks like there's somebody over there that needs our help. He said, I went and I looked and there was an older gentleman who was caught underneath a golf cart soaking wet. So he'd been out all night, had the, the dew and the frost on him. 83 year old man uh, was showing signs of hypothermia. He said that he had gotten stuck there more than seven hours earlier. Uh, the pair say that they don't know how or why they were the ones to discover them, but they are glad that they were in the right place at the right time. Galarza said, I've been doing this for four and a half years. Paulino's been doing it for 15. We got a lot of satisfaction out of doing what we do. Uh, and while the uh, two men say they don't want to be called heroes, uh, WINK News in Florida says that's exactly what they are. And I got to say, uh, I agree. When you're 83 years old, even seven hours in the uh, Florida night can cause some uh, significant uh, problems there to a uh, aging body. So I'm glad that that 83 year old is going to recover thanks to the, uh, I won't say quick discovery, but thanks to the uh, quick action of the uh, waste management workers. Once they discovered that gentleman in trouble. All right. That is going to do it for this edition of bearing arms cam and company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. We'll be back tomorrow with yet more news about your right to keep and bear arms that you need to know about. But you don't have to wait until then. You can always go to BarryAndArms.com throughout the day. We've got you covered, constantly updating the website with the latest 2A news and info from all across the nation, sometimes even beyond. If you like what you see, I'd also encourage you to become a VIP member or a VIP gold member at BarryAndArms. All you have to do, go to uh, BarryAndArms.com slash subscribe, use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As always, saying thanks for showing your support. We're going to give you news stories and analysis you won't find anywhere else because your support does matter, and it really does make a difference. So thank you again. Have a great rest of your hump day Wednesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.